Uh, it's Darren Gordon here, Centaurus uh, Metals Managing Director, uh, here to uh, have a quick run through on the Jaguar Nickel Sulphide Project in Brazil. Look forward to chatting. Darren, good to have you back, mate. Um, saw you back in September, day after my birthday. So I won't, I'll never forget it. Um, halfway through another year. Halfway through another year. Hey, well, look, it's, it's worth, worth a catch up because you've been quite busy since we spoke to you. Um, I thought we had a great conversation back then about how you're developing um, the, the project. And it seemed to be all around um, two things, which was, um, you know, building out the resource and obviously, you know, through, through the drill program, but you're moving into this development phase too. So I just want to sort of catch up on that. Plus you've raised 75 million bucks as well to help. So just a little bit. So um, why don't we kick off with the with the 75 million, um, first of all. So um, was that easy to raise? Who did you raise it from? What's it for? Yeah, look, uh, I guess given the strength of the nickel market, it actually was a reasonably easy raise. And I always say that lightly because when you're raising that sort of money, you don't ever want to underestimate uh, the challenges associated with that. But it's, um, it did come across pretty well. We were well subscribed, a number of Australian and international institutional investors, which will give us a, you know, a bit of a change dynamic in the register, which is great. Um, but that money is really to be used for all of the feasibility study work. You know, we're, we're full blown into DFS now. Uh, targeting the end of the year, but then we'll also have some capital available to us to uh, help us uh, go through that financing conversation and I guess always trying to have a balance sheet strength uh, leading into conversation with debt and equity providers at, at you know, the appropriate time. So I think uh, overall it was it was a raise that came together pretty well. Um, the joint leads on it were Argonaut in Perth and uh, Sprott Capital Partners in London. Um, in the US there, so yeah, wanted that combination of having Australian presence, but also then having the, the international base that we can tap into, given our project being in Brazil. It, it's interesting, actually. You, you, you sort of say um, give yourself the, the the buffer to lead into conversations around the FID. That, I think it's always something people don't don't re- realise that it may seem like you've raised a lot of money, but that really helps you in terms of the cost of the money. Once you need to get into the kind of the, the, the capex uh, discussion, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think we could have easily pulled it back and said, okay, well, you know, we'll just do what we need to DFS. But then you get into DFS, everyone knows that you need to raise capital at that point in time. So, really wanted to, given the market demand that was there and people wanting to get a position in, you know, a high quality nickel sulfide asset. Um, you know, it really gave us that opportunity to take a little bit more now, which we think in the long run will actually serve us very well as we go through that uh, financing conversation. Right. So, so let's look at where you um, where where you are now in terms of that DFS. You've appointed Osenko, well well yep. known um, market leaders in in, in the space um, that as lead engineer. Right. So, what where are you today? What do you need to get? delivered between now and the end of the year? Because I think you're aiming for a year-round, aren't you? Yeah, correct. So we're still targeting the DFS by the end of the year. Um, you know, we've, we've obviously got to go through further metallurgical test work. We've got to, um, one of the big things that we've got to do is drill out the resource, uh, lift the category. So we've got we've got now about half the resource sitting in the indicated category, but we want to be able to lift that further so that we've got, you know, the maximum amount that we possibly can measured and indicated, which will allow conversion to reserves um, that will roll into that whole uh, DFS finalisation. Um, but yeah, I guess in conjunction with that, it's all the work that Asenko is now going to help us with on process engineering got that we're now going sort of this uh, hydromet path, you know, press oxidation to produce sulphate. You know, that's very clearly our 
uh, our product suite that we're looking to to get into, um, and they've got the the skills to do that. And then you know it's really um, I guess culminating all of that with the with the financing conversation as, as i said before um probably in the first part of next year and so and what's the so remind me again what, what's the intent here is that for you, you guys do you want to get into production yourselves because yeah. because yeah, it kind probably. of it affects your it affects your discussions not only around you know the, the capex financing um in terms of the, the 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 quantum and the cost of it but in terms of where you get the money who you partner with, and you know, um, and, and you know, those rates split. You know, you, there's got to be an end market for you. You've, you've got to have in mind. Yep. So I'm interested in the kind of getting money from Sprott in Europe as an as a, as a take there. So does that give us a clue into your, into your thinking? Yeah. Look, I mean, we we certainly wanted to change the dynamic of the register. Previously, it was retail, high net worth type register. It's definitely become a lot more institutional as a result of the raise. But yeah, we we really see ourselves as putting, you know, doing the DFS work, getting through the approvals processes and then doing the build ourselves. Like, you know, it is a nickel sulfide project. It's a lot more achievable for what I'd call a, you know, mid-cap type company, uh, junior to mid-cap type company. And, you know, we we think it's a very attainable feat for us to be able to go and put this project online ourselves. Now, what that ultimately means for financing, who knows? It could still be bringing in partners, but it is still, in essence, us looking to go off and develop the asset. Okay, so you're, you're combining getting a strategic partner in as doing it yourselves. whatever. Because, again, there's lots of ways that you can have strategic partners involved, whether it would be capital, yeah, knowledge, or, or quite frankly, you know, operational. So where, where are you guys at? I mean, if you've got the skill sets in house, actually, you know, get into production. Yeah, look, I mean, we don't have a fixed view on where that is. I mean, we're going to be investigating all financing options. So I guess, broadly speaking, you go, it's a financing conversation, a finance partnering process. Um, now, whether that then leads you in the path of strategics, um, that's a separate conversation to have when something comes up. But you've got to remember that with this project that Vale still have offtake rights. So you know, we're, we're not really out there sort of pitching our wares to off-takers to come in and, you know, fund that project there because, you know, this whole asset and our ability to have done what we've done today has all come about because we were able to do a deal with Vale in the first place and that deal incorporated them having off-take rights for the product. But does that hamper discussions for you or, or, or hamper options for you? Because, it, you know, they have an option, Right. That, yeah. There's no, yeah, no, no guarantees, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. but do you, you, you are you going to between sort of now and towards the end of the year try and firm up with them? You know what their intent is. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, look, yeah, they've we we go through this. So the process is we will tell them what product we want to produce. We've told them we want to produce a sulfate. Um, they've then got to make a call as to whether that's a product that they want to pursue under the offtake at arm's length market-based pricing. And so then there's a conversation around what that offtake would look like. Um, you know, and we're not trying to dive into things that we can't talk about, but, you know, that's a conversation that's still evolving, right? It's, it's one that uh, to date has been a very positive one, you know, and our relationship with Vale is a very good. So, 
Um, I feel like everything's tracking in the right direction. Um, there's timelines set out in the original agreement as to when we, we should be able to reach offtake. And so we're just working towards those. Okay. No, I just think it was a, it's, a, it's a very interesting part of the dynamic. I know you, you, you pay next yep. to nothing for this thing, 250000 plus, obviously, the, the, a land package, which they, they wanted. Um, yep. Have you paid the 1.75? I know you haven't, the 5 isn't due until I will do production. That. But. Yeah, that's basically now in line with the Asenko appointment. You know, bring that in. That's got all it. going to be happening concurrently. Yep. Right, so you got the you got the cash to do that. But I guess the, the, the bit of it I want to talk about the interesting dynamic is like sometimes when you have these big companies involved, it could be absolutely seen as, as a you know, lifesaver. It's, it's a big moment and there's, the, the, you know, the world's your oyster. But sometimes it's it kind of restricts you in the sense that because they're there, you've got other strategics you may want to get involved or, or put off. So it, it, it's, yep. you know, lots of moving parts. Um, look, yeah, let, I, I, I guess, but I guess just the point on that is that um, that is definitely the case and that, you know, that's a, that's a real issue, but that was a real issue we knew when we bought the project in the first place. And so it's always something that we've had in the back of our mind. And, you know, if I get a, a solid offtake agreement with Vale, then I'm happy. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good position to be in. For sure, for sure. Um, let's talk about the drilling um, because um, I think a big part of this, our discussion last time out was around Showing scale, right? I get the thirteen-year life of mine. I get the sort of you know t- less than two-year um, payback on it, and you know may- maybe those uh, economics change dramatically between now and, the, and and when the DFS is is published. But thirteen years life of mine versus a kind of multi-cycle life of mine. Um, what's the drilling going to do this year? Apart from you're going to be doing clearly some infill to get if it more of it in- indicated, but what, in terms of the step out type stuff, what, what's the ambition there? Yep. Yeah. Look, I, I guess there's a couple of aspects of that. So the 13 year mine life that we've got was based on the resource that we had prior to the one we released in December. So what we've now got is a 730,000 tons of contained nickel metal. Um, that should see us, um, either increasing the production rate or extending mine life. Um, so if you go back to the scoping study, I think there was 300 and, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about 340,000 tonnes in the production target mine plan type area. And we've already now got nearly 400,000 tonnes of contained nickel in the indicated category. There's about 500,000 tonnes of metal that is sitting in the top 200 metres. So with this additional infill drilling that we're doing, the intention is to push out the production mine plan resource that and effectively become your reserves north of that 500,000 tonnes of, of metal. We've got 500,000 tonnes of metal. In theory, I'm recovering about 400,000 tonnes of metal. So then I've got 20 years at 20,000 tonnes a year, or is it you know 25,000 tonnes a year? And those are the things that we've still got to fine tune. But so that's just with the resource that we've already defined. Um, but then in conjunction with that drilling that we're doing for you know what I'd call development type activities, we are doing deeper step out holes um, that will continue to show that the mineralization continues at depth. And the nature of this ore body is it's a little bit different. Um, vertical, sub-vertical structures, you know, they continue on. It's not an intrusive related system where you go in and you come out of the system. Um, these things can continue on. It's, it's more like a IOCG that you see in the other parts of the carriages, like a Salobo or Sasago, not necessarily on scale, but in this form of mineralization. 
So if we can keep hitting that mineralisation as we go deeper and we can hit that across the strike, obviously that's going to further increase the resource, you know, show that there's further mine life beyond where we are. But we already know that with that 730,000 tonnes, there's a pretty significant project. So, I mean, if I... Just in that base case of saying, okay, 20,000 tonnes a year for 20 years, it's, you know, there's not too many people around the globe that are going to be doing that in a nickel sulphide asset. Okay, so, so, so that was the, that's the change since when I spoke to you to, to the end of, end of last Absolutely. year. So, yeah, I get what was yeah. it, MPVA to 1.1 and 52% IRR. It, it's clearly attractive. Did, did anything else change in, in, in those numbers? Because you were talking about, to me, 250 million cash flow per, per year over that, that yeah. period. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we ran all of our scoping study numbers, remembering that that was back in May last year. Um, we ran that at 750 a pound and a 50 cent per pound sulfate premium. You know, you, obviously today we're over 11 bucks per pound and we're probably a dollar, $10.20 per pound um, as a sulfate premium. So, yeah, running those sort of economics, you, you're probably pushing just the previous production profile would give you something in the order of um, 500 million Aussie dollars per year uh, EBITDA. So this is the scale and that, you know, that's our market cap. So that's one year, yeah, one year covered in, a, in the market cap. So we think that there's still an enormous upside for, for investors when they're looking at this asset because, you know, I, I just don't think people fully appreciate the, the scale that is created when nickel prices are running hard. And I think anyone who's going to be producing nickel over the next little while, we're collecting this, uh, you know, 25000 bucks a tonne type um, revenue side is going to be making a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, we, we, again, we talk about it sort of on a weekly um, battery show, you know, in terms of what nickel's been doing. We talk about that every week and the, the projections, well, the growth in the last 12 months has been fantastic, agreed. Um, everyone's going to be making a lot of money once, once they get into production. Um, mm. But the forecasts look, look, look good too. Um, can, we, can we just talk about the, um, the type of drilling that you're going to be doing? So we, we get the kind of infill, but, but in terms of the money being allocated or number of drills being yep. allocated to the expansion component, what's that look like? Yeah, so look, we'll have, we've now got uh, 12 diamond rigs and two RC rigs on site. I reckon probably of those 12, you've probably got eight working on, you know, infill and geotech and, you know, development type activities. And there's probably four, maybe five, depending on what's happening on any given week. But that is sort of the sort of ratio of work uh, on those rigs doing sort of step out type holes. And, and, and with, the, with the kind of pit uh, component, that's... Sorry, what depth are we going to here again, remind me? Look, yeah, the pit now is going deeper with the economics, so we're probably drilling, you know, 250 metre holes um, inside the pit. So it's, it's, you know, it's still significant, um, but there's there's a number of holes that we've got to do. Um, that we're trying to get measured uh, category for, you know, the first three years sort of payback type time horizon and... Um, yeah, that'll probably on a, be on a tighter drill spacing than what we're, we're currently working to. Right. And um, so, again, just for, for people to be able to do some pairing, what, what's that equate to in terms of amount of metres that you're, you're going to be drilling out? Oh, look, I reckon over the whole year, we should be in the order of ninety to 100,000 metres of drilling. Okay. So, that's, so that's, yeah, it's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one where um, we need the rigs, and you know, fortunately, uh, it's probably not quite as tight 
in Brazil as it is in Australia. We're not saying it's easy to get rigs, but uh, we've been quite fortunate to be able to have, you know, 12 diamond rigs and a couple of RC rigs working on site. Um, and I think that goes to the quality of the asset because you've got the drill contractors that are, and you can offer up the, the meters in these contracts to entice them in and actually get them onto your site, which is, which is a good thing for us. Okay, and obviously the, the real ding a few favours as well in terms of costs. So yep. that, that's that's always yep. nice. And um, what about the kind of slight? Um, the, the, there's a lot of conversation going on around S- South American mining projects. We've spoken to a lot of Brazilian uh, companies, and they seem to say that doing business there, uh, one is is less COVID um, impacted than it was, but the relations at state and and national level seem to be quite good in, re- in comparison to places like Mexico and Chile and Peru, perhaps are having yeah. slightly more negative stories. I mean, what, what's, what's happening on the ground with you guys? And, and any issues that we need to be aware of? No, look, I, I think I'd sort of um, agree with that sort of sentiment. I think that, you know, for mining exploration type activities, you know, whether your left, right wing government hasn't really changed much in the time that I've been in Brazil. I've been sort of um, there for 13 years, 14 years now. Um, and we've had left-wing governments, we've had right-wing governments, but you know they've all generally still understand that mining exploration activity is still a, a core business for the economy. Um, COVID again, I think is now you know there was obviously issues there, um, like anywhere the n- number of cases are probably going up, but the you know hospitalizations and deaths are probably coming down uh, on on a relative basis. And, you know, I think people in Brazil are, are looking at it and going, well, it's business as usual now. Um, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll get the opportunity of it's, um, heading over there in a couple of weeks' time. Um, it's the first time I've been able to get back to Brazil for two years. So thankfully, we've had a, a amazing um, group of people on the ground that, that, you know, we've worked with for a long period of time and have been able to push this project forward, you know, during this period when travel's been more problematic, but it's... Um, feel like we're in really good shape as far as uh, where this COVID situation sits now. It's it's really just, it's all embedded into your overall um, activities and, you know, you, you just deal with it. It's, it's kind of interesting. We, we, we've had a few conversations with companies uh, coming on and saying, well, I'm not actually sure I want to be putting out DFSs at, at this time because mm-hmm. people are just having to get used to a new sort of pricing regime in terms of the costs, right? Yeah, everything. Yep. Every prices have yep. gone up across the board, um, and Absolutely. you know, d- doing you know uh, apples for apples comparisons with other companies is a little bit more difficult because they're using maybe slightly out of date uh, cost cost uh, numbers. So, you mean, yep. how do you feel about that? Oh, look, it's a very real issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think globally, you know, inflation is the real deal. You know, you've, you know, whether you're in Australia, Brazil, US, Canada, whatever, it, you're still dealing with inflationary pressures. You know, fuel costs are going up. You know, so you, you're going to have to be pretty vigilant in your numbers going into the DFS. You're going to have to have a margin for, for error and they're probably going to have a bigger contingency in there than what you might otherwise have. But, you know, we'll, we'll be solid with the way that we do it. You know, we'll go out and we'll talk to the suppliers and remembering that there's a lot of gear that, you know, we might be buying as one-off items and, um, you know, we can really lock down on those costs and probably get to a point where those are squared away as hard numbers. Um, and that'll be the plan of attack. So, yeah, the risk for us is probably still in um, just that first half of next year of just, okay, we've finished the DFS, we've done the CapEx, we've done the OPEX, you know, we know what the mine plan is, that's probably not going to change. 
but then we've got to still get through all of the environmental approvals and that's we're talking still probably middle of the year 2023 is when we get our approvals and really being in a position to make a final investment decision in you know, Q3 2023. That's always been a target, but it's just that we've got to be careful on that six-month window between doing the numbers and then going, okay, well, now we actually want to actually build this thing and commit to these capital items. So, yeah, we've just got to be mindful of that, I think, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's one that we'll keep, we'll keep raising its head. Um to you know how companies treat these costs because it, it's kind of the the kind of de- deferring right, or delaying the recognition of that or perhaps misleading people with the the the, the costs in there in the DFS um, is going to be problematic further down the line and we've we've seen that effect a few yeah. few companies recently you I, know and share price have been absolutely whacked so you've got to be honest yeah no well, I think that I don't think there's any. Um, any wins for anyone in, in sort of not putting your best foot forward. I mean, people still want to m- have a good project, but there's no point putting up something that you you, know, you can't get. Now, there is still the reality that inflation is there and escalation is going to be there, and so you've got to be managing that carefully. But um, that's why I say you actually want to be telling people what you think is the uh, project that you can actually build um, and then you know try to hold that. Um, but I, but I agree with your point completely. There's there's no point trying to sort of put up paint a picture of something that is not there. I mean, you you need to have some reality with these things. Yeah, you you do, but you'd, you'd be surprised they 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 come on the show weekly. Um, and just one thing on the environment. You, you touched on the environmental component again. It's something which is getting more and more complicated globally. Right. Uh, Para is a good state in Brazil. It's a mining state in, in Brazil. Um, but, but, but even so, you've got to go through, through things the right way in terms of the, the paperwork. Mm-hmm. How, how is the kind of, um, are you having to spend more time, money and effort on the kind of, um, the, the ESG component, the, 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 the with, with, you know, local, um, people, with local businesses, with all, all, all of that, all of that takes time and money and, and, and everything that it entails. You've got to do things the mm. right way. Are you finding that the heat is turning up there or is it just for you business as usual? I think for us it's been business as usual because we've always taken the approach of, you know, employ locally, engage suppliers locally. Um, you know, we are in, whilst it's far and it's a good mining state, we're still a, you know, relatively remote area. Um, Remote, but remote with infrastructure. So again, you've got you know people that have been in the mining industry for a long period of time. Um, you've got suppliers there. You're gonna, you're still gonna have to do the right thing. But you know we've been doing a lot of work on upgrading the roads. You know, and that was always part of the business model. It wasn't like we're feeling like we've got to ramp that up any more than what we were doing. And I think the other thing that sets Brazil apart a little bit in that is that. 65% of the government royalty goes back to the municipality where the project's located. So there's already a strong incentive for these municipalities to get behind a project for the community to be wanting these projects to go ahead because it drives jobs and it drives the economy at a, at a local level. And we see that all the time. And I feel like we've done a really good job of sort of working in that environment to make this project happen to the state that it is already. Um, obviously got to go a long way further yet, but we're, yeah, you know, I think we're getting there. I think um, more broadly, you know, the environmental approval process is just something that we we we've got to continue working with the environmental agency. We've lodged all the documents that we need to do, and we've now just got to you know keep talking them through it 
you know, this is the project, this is what it looks like. You know, have you got any questions? How can we help you? Um, and, you know, and then we've just got to try to push to get that as early as we possibly can. Right. And, and because for us, because mm. that is still the time determining factor to pr- first production for us. Yeah, to totally. Totally. And, and, and if people see, if you're shareholders or others looking at this, see, you, you know, I know you submitted the EIA and the, and, and the, uh, the REMA and the PA, PAE, but um, if there's pushback, this is part of the process. It's not, oh, we've got a problem with this. It's just, oh, we need more information. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, we you know we've we've licensed projects in Brazil before. We had the iron ore project uh, way back when, and we got through the environmental approval process there. We know what the process is, so it's not like we're doing something we haven't done before. Um, it's really just about working with them. Um, yeah, they might ask for more information. I'll go and get some more data here, but we feel like because they give you the terms of reference to what needs to go into that environmental impact assessment in the first place. You've already, or we feel like we've already addressed all of the things that we need to. It's just now a matter of making sure that they understand what the project is and clarifying any anything that they need clarified. Okay, well, and so and, and iron ore that that's still parked up. For you still got that, right? Yeah, we have. We've still it's got parked it up. In the background. Okay. Yeah. Because yep. again, we talked about it last time. It said in terms of right, um, no M and A. Focus on delivering this project um, and uh, expanding this project. Once you get, are you going to wait until you get to the the FID stage before you start looking at well, where do we go from here, or will it still be a case of eyes down? Let's let's get this thing built properly and not not be distracted. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a very big project, so we've got to be mindful that we're not trying to take on too much. Um, I think there's a there is a world of opportunity in Brazil, in and around where we are. Um, a part of that opportunity is created by doing this project the right way. So if we can actually get in and do this the right way, start the build, yeah, they will eventually get to a point where there's a team of people who are in there and they're doing the build. And then corporately, then you can start to think about other opportunities. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we're not looking at going it down that path too early. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, I guess you'll be, you'll be talking to Vale uh, very keenly uh, at that point. Darren, good to see you. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great to catch up with you. Um, nice to see things uh, advancing at, at pace. Uh, stay in touch. Let, let us know how you get on. And maybe um, when some of these drill results come through, maybe start talking, about, talking to us about what you see in terms of that geological development component too. So appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, yeah, I mean, I think we, we've got a really busy period ahead of us. You know, lots of drill results, you know, hopefully getting through first phases of this environmental approval um you know advancing the offtake conversations um so yeah we still see that there's a lot of uh activity in front of us and hopefully that's uh means news flow for investors so we'll see how we go thanks matt good on you